Um, Claire, the issue, obviously, one of the things, one of the other uh, things that's been of great concern is the fate of Emily Hand, the Irish-Israeli girl, nine years of age, who is currently a hostage, it's believed, in, in Gaza at the moment. The latest news we have is that there probably won't be a release of hostages now until Friday. We don't have any clarity about who's on that list. That's it. I mean, there was, um, you know, good news that emerged this morning that, you know, there was a deal brokered between um, Israel and Hamas to allow for a four day humanitarian pause. And, you know, we were expecting uh, that 50 Hamas hostages, mainly women and children, along with 150 Palestinian women and children from Israeli jails would be released as part of that deal. And um, it was kind of understood even from before we went on air that that would happen at around 10 a.m., tomorrow. Um, But unfortunately, it looks like perhaps that has or negotiations may have broken down because now it won't be um, until Friday. All right. And the other related issue, the um, or the issue dealing with the same region, there was um, a motion from people before profit today. What were they calling for? And then how did it differ from the other motions we've heard uh, from the Social Democrats and from Sinn Féin? Yeah, so um, they were specifically calling for sanctions to be imposed on Israel and looking for us to cut diplomatic ties with Israel altogether. And they also had a line in there about Shannon Airport. Um, and they wanted that to be close to US military personnel who they see as... Um, supporting Israel, um, particularly with um, arms um, and causing the government to publicly recognise that Israel is committing international crimes against humanity and uh, including apartheid, it says, and it's guilty of multiple breaches of international law. Um, So obviously we saw uh, Sinn Féin and Social Democrats um, come out last week. Um, Sinn Féin looking for the government to report um, Israel to the International Criminal Court um, and also the Social Democrats looking for the expulsion of the um, Israeli ambassador, which were both defeated. All right. Um, John Cummins, the the Taoiseach has said there may well be consequences for Israel for its current course of action in in Gaza. What's the government contemplating and where is that legal advice that was called for last week by the Social Democrat leader, Holly Kearns, when she asked him to look into the the, the possibility of imposing consequences, sanctions on Israel? Well, so there's a few things in there. So so firstly, it is being examined, everything uh, from October 7th uh, right through to the present is being examined uh, by uh, the prosecutor uh, in the International uh, Criminal Court. Ireland has committed additional uh, monies towards that. We're a strong uh, supporter of the International uh, Criminal Court. Uh, but to suggest that we should cut diplomatic uh, ties uh, with a country in my opinion, is the wrong approach. Uh, The very first thing that happens when you expel an ambassador from a country is there's a a reciprocal expulsion of your own ambassador. We have people uh, on the ground in Ireland or over uh, in uh, Gaza and in Israel, doctors, aid workers, they need to have uh, diplomatic uh, ties and our country needs to have diplomatic ties, particularly at a time uh, of conflict and uh, vulnerability. Uh, the Irish government, I think, and the Department of Foreign Affairs have been in doing Trojan work uh, in this in this space uh, to obviously have the release sure, of, the, the, of, of Emily and, and many other hostages the vote want on the to amb- see a ceasefire. The vote on the ambassador has already happened, but Israel and the European Union, by means of an association Association agreement signed up to an agreement that has a human rights clause in it. Now, 
it's it's it is going through the diplomatic channels to remind people of the terms and conditions of agreements they've signed up to. That's surely diplomacy. It's based on a, a legal international agreement. Yeah, and and Ireland is very good uh, at diplomacy, and we have to we have to always talk to people. Like the the the, the days of shutting ourselves off and not talking to people uh, I, I think even Donica <coughs> would acknowledge is the wrong approach here uh, and you know as I said if you expel an ambassador same happens back and it it will not yield results uh, on the ground for, for Irish people which is the most important thing and as I said we want to see a ceasefire here we want to see the release of all hostages uh, here all right. uh, that's that's the position of the Irish government and it's been very clear Thomas Pringle the, the, the question about the, that you asked actually about the, the agreement Sure well I, I'm going to kind of ask you the same question the issue of the ambassador <coughs> has been set to one side because yeah. that's been voted on um, and you know th- so, so there's that but the bit that the government has left open to acting on is this issue around the association agreement and the possibility of any further action for example on goods emanating from from uh, I- illegal settlements in the occupied territories but on the human uh, the on, on the association agreement what would you expect the government to do what case would you expect them to press in Europe well I think the government should be the, the association agreement clearly has clauses that says that both parties to the agreement which is the European Union and Israel have to respect human rights and have, have the basis for that so that's in the agreement Israel voluntarily signed up to that. Nobody coerced them to sign up to it or anything got there. So they, therefore they should honour the agreement. And if, if this agreement has to be worth uh, as worth anything, as worth the papers written on, the European Union should be in a position to actually force Israel to actually honour that agreement. And if they're not willing to honour it, well then they should be, the European Union should be introducing sanctions and, and making sure that the, the, there's penalties for Israel and not honour honouring it. And what, what our government should be doing is making sure that the Commission and pushing the Commission to actually enact that deal and work on that deal because those conditions are there and obviously everybody signed up to them. Donna O'Leary, should Ireland go solo on this or should Ireland first try and build a coalition with like-minded countries so that at least there's a critical mass when this uh, position is brought <coughs> forward, if it's to be brought forward? Well, like, I mean, in terms of the International Criminal Court side of things, like, I mean, there are other countries who, who are referring it uh, to the International Criminal Court and I do believe we should act in concert with those. Uh, South Africa... Uh, among others, um, like I, I, in general terms, I absolutely accept that um, negotiation and dialogue is important, and that needs to continue in terms of an intergovernmental level. But like, I mean, I think it is, um, it is worth bearing in mind the scale of what is happening. I look, I'm not entirely satisfied with every action of the government, but I agree with what Leo Varadkar said today and it seems to me that the Israeli government in relation to this uh, that the Israeli government uh, appears not to be listening to anybody anymore um, and This was his remarks where he said they appeared not to be listening to the US or Ireland or anyone precisely, else Precisely and uh, I, I think there is certainly uh, Did you detect in that and John Cummins yeah, I, I just did you detect in that the um, the chances that Ireland is moving in that direction then? I certainly hope so um, look I mean from a Sinn Féin point of view and not just us but others uh, it has been our objective to try and use whatever levers we can to assist the case okay. of the Palestinian right. people and it is for that reason that we try, sought to work with the government to try and have a motion um, that um, 
was the, was one of the first in Europe that called for a ceasefire. Uh, and we hope that the government moves in this direction right. as well. They absolutely In a word, should. John Cummins, the, the government is not ruling out pursuing the association agreement as a means of exercising some leverage in this, is it? And, and we are with our, with our colleagues in Europe. Oh, all right. um, that is the position. Okay. We are constantly engaged with our colleagues in Europe. About okay. what? All right. No, I, no, I think... I, hang on. I, I, just, I, 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 I do... I, I do. at all. Like okay. the government... He hasn't answered the question in relation to what the government are doing about it or are going to do about it. Okay. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to go so to something else in Because um, while all eyes have been understandably focused on Gaza, an already violent situation on the occupied West Bank deteriorated further after the Hamas attacks on October 7th and Israel's retaliation with increased violence against Palestinian civilians by armed Israelis living on illegal settle- settlements in the occupied territories. The UN has reported over 1,000 Palestinians from herding communities have been expelled from their land. Many of those affected say some attacks were carried out by armed settlers in army reserve uniforms. Most of those affected live in a place called Area C, which is a part of the West Bank, not all in one block. It's broken up into separate islands across the West Bank, but it makes up 60% of it. And it's under full Israeli civil and military control. In another area in the city of Hebron called H2, where military law applies to Palestinians, a non-violent activist, Issa Amro, has felt the brunt of violence by settlers too. He spoke to me earlier. My name is uh, Isa Amro. I am a 43 years old Palestinian uh, uh, non-violence activist and human rights defender from uh, Palestine, West Bank, Hebron uh, City. I am activist since uh, 20 years. I work to educate Palestinian youth uh, to use non-violence resistance and to document the Israeli uh, human rights uh, violations in Hebron and in other areas in, in, in the West Bank. We do sometimes legal work to confront settler land confiscation, some army decisions to take over land or to close the roads uh, for uh, Palestinians. So we try to increase the awareness in our society, increase the awareness in the international community to make people engaged with us, with creative actions and activities to make the occupation costly, to make uh, Israel accept to treat the Palestinians as a nation who deserve freedom, justice and equality. This is what I do and what I believe in. You live beside settlers in Hebron, like many Palestinians in other areas of the West Bank. Can you just describe in brief what your relationship or relations with the settlers is like and how that has been over the years. Hebron, we have settlers living in the city, a few hundred settlers among the Palestinians. Because of the presence of the settlers, we uh, suffer a lot because the Israeli military closed the streets, closed the markets, divided the streets, divided the markets, closed uh, the Palestinian homes. We have 22 checkpoints in less than one uh, square kilometer. We have around 100 movement uh, barriers, uh, restrictions, Around 1,800 shops closed because of the closure policy. More than 1,000 Palestinian apartments became empty because of the Israeli military closure policy. So the area is a microcosm of the Israeli occupation. You see roads closed, roads divided, segregated, separated. You see settlers, you see soldiers, you see settler violence, you see army brutality. Uh, You see two sets of law in the same area. So uh, Palestinians are under the Israeli military law, which means you have no basic uh, human rights. 
and you are guilty until proving innocent. And the settlers who are living in the same area, they are under the Israeli uh, civil law. So two sets of law in the same area for different people, uh, which was described by many Israeli and international human rights organization and international uh, advocates and scholars as uh, apartheid. Can you tell me on October 7th when uh, Hamas launched the attack on southern Israel at, which killed 1,200 uh, Israelis including 300 soldiers, 900 uh, civilians, can you tell us what effect that had on the level of violence in Hebron and elsewhere on the West Bank? Uh, since the last uh, year, Israeli government was killing many, many Palestinians in the West Bank. The Israeli settlers were killing many, many Palestinians in the West Bank. So it was really crazy year for us with the current Israeli government. When Hamas did the attack uh, on Israelis, you mentioned the civilians and the soldiers, we as Palestinians, we suffer from being attacked, beaten, uh, oppressed as, as civilians. So the majority of the Palestinian society disagree with targeting Israeli civilians because Israeli civilians and Palestinian civilians should be protected and treated as civilians and they should not be uh, a target at all. So instead of solving the main cause of what is happening in October 7 and what is happening since 75 years and since 1967 and start talking about solutions, Israel started a war in Gaza killing thousands of Palestinian civilians, mainly women and children, as a kind of revenge and as a kind of, you know, showing their power and showing uh, supremacy and try to show, look what we do if you attack us. In the other hand, in the West Bank, where uh, there is no Hamas in West Bank, it's under the Palestinian security control and under the Palestinian authority in, 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 you know, uh, we faced an unannounced war on us and unannounced displacement policy. From day one, from the first hour, I was Isa. I was beaten, attacked, tortured, kidnapped by Israeli soldiers and Israeli settlers in an army uniform. Ten hours continuously, I suffered from pain and I was pleasing them to release my hands, to not beat me up, not to harass me, not to really threaten to kill me. I was not expecting on October 7th that I will go back home alive. But when they released me, I went back home broken, destroyed from inside. I had mental pain and physical pain because of what they did to me on October 7th. From uh, midday to midnight, 10 hours continuously, they kidnapped me in a military base. Then they sent me back home ill, sick needs uh, medical uh, treatment but they didn't allow me one week in 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 house i was not allowed to leave not only me all my community all the checkpoints the 22 checkpoints in h2 were closed all the roads were closed the families were looked in they were attacked beaten their house were raided and settlers threatened to kill the palestinian families and they shot many palestinians in the street to the point that israeli occupation in west bank killed more than 200 Palestinians, many of them are uh, were killed without any excuse, and few of them were killed directly by Israeli uh, settlers in civilian uniform, and uh, they acted as a war, and they divided the West Bank, they closed all the checkpoints in the West Bank, 
they prevented Palestinians to move from one city to another, from one town to another, and they, target, they started targeting Area C. Settlers, group of settlers go to Palestinian houses, Palestinian uh, uh, construction, any Palestinian uh, uh, compound. They attack the compounds, they burn the houses, they attack Palestinians to scare them to leave. I was written many times that if I don't leave the house, I will be killed by the soldiers and by the settlers. The same with uh, many Palestinian families, the same with many Palestinian uh, people in Area C. And in the same time, we had no protection from the Israeli military and nobody's talking about us. Then the army evicted me from my house. Imagine that they punished me for receiving an Israeli peace activist and uh, international uh, journalist. They punished me to this, you know, to expel me from my house for 16 days. And I went back after my lawyer went to the Israeli Supreme Court and uh, we managed to to win because you know how come they do that to to me and it was so scary to come back and I after I came back I was attacked I found I found my house being vandalized by the soldiers uh, they damaged uh, my furniture my belonging in the house and outside the house just finally then um because you mentioned there the situation in area C for listeners who don't know area C is 60% of the west bank it's under full israeli civil and military control palestinians who live there are currently under extreme pressure there have been a number of expulsions of families and uh, an uptick in violence against palestinian civilians by settlers uh, in area C from from your knowledge of what's going on there in perhaps the nearest area to you, which I think, if I'm not wrong, is the South Hebron Hills. What is the situation typically for Palestinians there at the moment, since October 7th? A few communities left because of settler violence and they face day and night attacks from the Israeli soldiers and from the Israeli settlers and they are divided, isolated from the whole world. They are alone now. Many of them don't have enough water. Many of them are starving without enough food, their sheep are starving, and they are, they are really under daily violent attacks from the Israeli soldiers and from the Israeli settlers, and they're really facing, you know, an eviction policy announced and unannounced in that area. And when you say their sheep can't get food, when you say they can't access water, they can't access electricity, just explain why not. Because the Israeli army closed the roads. Israeli settlers, they cut the water pipes. They don't, they don't, them. The Israeli settlers even damaged their water tanks uh, where they collect water and keep the water. They attack their sheep. They don't allow them to raise the, the sheep, take the sheep to the land to eat the grass. They, even they attack their sheep and they killed many, many, many sheep. And themselves, they are not allowed to leave their homes. And that was Issa Amro, who's a non-violent activist operating in the Palestinian city of Hebron. Just to clarify something from earlier on, if the Security Council determines about how peacekeeping missions are founded, if Security Council determines that deploying a UN peace operation is the most appropriate step to take, it'll formally author- authorise this by adopting a resolution. Then the budget and the resources are subject to secure General Assembly uh, approval. We're back with PRSI after this. The Late Debate with Colm Mungan on RTE Radio 1.